Hello and welcome back to the program. My name is Michael Finney. Today I am joined by Joshua Sinquamani. Would you like to say hello? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Name's Josh, as he just said. Pleased to be here. Excellent. Would you tell us a little bit about what you do, who you are, where you're from, all the basic demographic <laughs> stuff we're interested in? Sure, sure. Um, so my name is Josh, as we discussed. Um, I'm from Texas, originally from Houston, Texas, but now I'm living up in North Texas, uh, Denton specifically. Um, I am a freelance audio engineer and studio owner and do mixing and mastering, record bands and such. And uh, I believe what we're mainly talking about today is my project, John Doe, uh, which is my solo electronic project. And yeah, I guess we can start there. Yeah. I, that's a, that's a perfect place to start. We want to promote <laughs> the newest work and, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what John Doe is doing, um, genre, how you orchestrated and wrote it, produced it, anything that you think is important for people to know? Sure. Um, so the new album is called Lemonoid Drift. Um, it is an eight track album that just came out on a record label based out of Austin, Texas called Aural Canyon. Uh, there's a limited run of tapes for it on their band camp if anyone's interested, but uh, it is kind of cinematic, ambient, soundscape kind of music, uh, very textural kind of sound bath stuff. Um, yeah, so that's the new album. Uh, really happy with how it turned out. Uh, my first time diving into a lot of, uh, synthesized music as opposed to before when I was doing more guitar loops and vocal effects and stuff. So it's kind of a new area for me to explore. And, uh, so far it's been pretty well received. How do you perceive the differences in that transition from traditional, uh, player instruments, you know, uh, I don't want to say acoustic instruments, but I want to say instruments <laughs> that you more traditionally interact with in a physical way um, in comparison to the DJ studio production type of stuff. I mean, I'm still in both worlds, which is kind of the cool part for me because, you know, I record bands, I play in a band, um, just played a show last night, actually. So I'm very familiar with that instrument space still. Um, but that's kind of why this project is exciting for me because it's kind of my free reign area to do purely studio stuff and just really see what I can make in the realm of a stereo image. Um, so it's pretty exciting in that sense, very freeing to be in that space. What led you to transition into the electronic environment? It's a good question. Um, I don't really know if I could pinpoint something specific, but uh, it's always kind of been there for me. I've been doing some form of music since I was probably six or seven years old. Um, but I started recording music in my bedroom at like 17, 18 years old towards the tail end of high school. And it was always kind of my escape hatch from all the bullshit in the world. I would just kind of lock myself in my room and do my thing. Uh, at the time, it was very kind of folk-oriented, psych-folk stuff. Uh, I have it all online as late Georgian, if anyone cares to jump in a time machine and listen to 18-year-old me. Um, but I've always been interested in that space of like what you could do 
with soundscapes and ambience and kind of atmospheric music. Uh, always been drawn to instrumental music for that same reason. You know, you're not locked in with lyrics and concepts per se. You just kind of have free roam to float around and, you know, be in your head. Yeah, so. I would agree. And that's kind of what drew me to some of your music originally. I don't remember exactly what the album was, but I think it was on SoundCloud. Uh-huh. And it was it was these guitar-oriented soundscapes. Um, they were... They had melodies, right? There was definitely uh, Mm -hmm. song construction. There was conscientious song construction, um, but it wasn't necessarily as honed in as in terms of uh, song format as say like singer songwriter stuff would be, you know, you gave yourself a lot more license. Right. There's no like verse chorus structure or anything. Yeah. 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 And that's, (laughs) that's always a great adventure because you don't necessarily know where it's going to take you as, as a listener. Um, you know, and that's, that's not a slight against singer songwriter stuff. No, no. Yeah. Um, and that's not even a, a massive endorsement of sound soundscape type of stuff. There's really just <laughs> different avenues. I think that we as musicians kind of explore over time. And there's a lot of different aspects of ourselves that are able to be, um, released through these different mechanisms. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I like the way you phrase that. Cause to me, it's the, the instrumental space where you're able to kind of float around to me is almost like an emotional space that you're able to kind of evoke out of someone. And at least to me as a listener, when people start singing, I'm not, I'm instinctively listening to the singing and the vocals and what they're saying, which most of the time, that's what I want to be listening to. But there's something special about when that's gone. It's just the pure emotion of the sound and what it kind of brings out just on its own. And I think there's something really beautiful about that. So tell us what you are saying with John Doe. What are these (laughs) pieces about in general or what were you trying to get across with it? Yeah. um, So... One thing that we haven't touched on is that this project is a very kind of conceptual project. Um, It's called John Doe, but it's spelled funky. Uh, It's all one word, all capital letters, D-J-O-N-D-O. So it looks like John Doe with a silent D at the beginning, basically. Um, And I went with that because it's a weirdly complex way of saying like such a basic name that everyone's heard and said a million times. So I kind of like that dichotomy, but, um, behind that, it's also an acronym, uh, for the dendritic journal of neurodimensional objects, uh, which sounds super complicated and it it is probably a little overcomplicated, but the concept is that it's a science fiction type of a tale, but kind of like an ambient science fiction tale, um, where you're supposed to be experiencing the thoughts of this person off in the future, uh, you know, some distant galaxy. Um, so that's kind of the backdrop. And I don't usually lead with that because people just kind of <laughs> glaze over when like, uh, what are you talking about? Um, so first and foremost, it's the music, but, um, yeah, I've, I've always been interested in science fiction and the, 
uh, I don't know the right term, but like there's so much you can say with a good science fiction story. It's almost like narrative. Yeah. This narrative structure of science fiction, because it, it kind of has to take some philosophical points or stances and it kind of has to project humanity into the future. So there's always this kind of backloaded version of how they see humanity. At least that's the way I've, what I've always loved about science fiction is, is how these people think humans are going to be in the future. It's a imaginal exercise or something. Um, and so I kind of tried to bring that into the music, which is why I attached this kind of concept to it. Um, so I first started putting music out under this name, uh, January, I have to say January of 2020, uh, this was pre pandemic. Um, and it was called cryogenics and it was supposed to be, is the sound collage thing for basically the sound of your thoughts while you're in cryogenic sleep. If you're like, so centuries of time, oh, your body's just there inert, but your mind has to be going, right? So something's going on. And I, I was wondering what it would sound like. <laughs> so that was how I kicked it off. And then the pandemic hit and I really found myself, like I wasn't able to play shows. I wasn't able to go out. I wasn't really even able to work for a couple months. And I kind of turned inward as most of us probably did at that time. And I started working on these ambient meditation things just for my own sanity to kind of sit down and be in a zone and just see what I could get out in one day. That was kind of the idea. Um, and a lot of those tracks ended up to be the next John Doe album uh, called Familiar Foreign that I put out the beginning of 2021. Um, but yeah, they were definitely like back to the escape hatch metaphor uh, music has always kind of been that for me. And this is just kind of the new shape of how it's being channeled out of me. So, uh, that was a very long winded response, but, uh, that's okay. That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll leave, bounce it back to you. <laughs> Perfectly fine. So how many records have you put out under the John Doe title? Um, the new one that just came out, Lemonoid Drift is the second full length. Um, I've got that cryogenics album, which is technically an hour long, uh, but it's three tracks and they're each like 20 minutes. Um, it's a bit of a commitment if you're going to listen to it, but I think it's worth it. Um, so three, I'd say three releases, but two full lengths that I'm like, they were made to be an album. Gotcha. Yeah. And yeah. that's okay. I don't think everything needs to be shelved into an album or into you know, a, a package or whatever. Sometimes you just want to do a song or a one-off thing. Um, that's for sure. That's perfectly fine. So you still play <laughs> in a band. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I play guitar and sing in a improvised psychedelic rock band called Maestro Maya. Uh, it is a trio, just guitar, bass, and drums. And yeah, that's, that's that side of it. Very cool. I have not played in uh, a number of years, but I always, I always like seeing live music and it feels, it feels harder and harder to find it um, in general because these things, um, the trend that we see is more DJ oriented or more karaoke oriented, a lot less live performance. How do you balance mm -hmm. those two sides of yourself as you are creating 
this studio music and then you have this more traditional creative practice and specifically uh, if you're in an improvisational band that's that's a mental commitment in time you know <laughs> yeah for sure yeah and it it all kind of ties in with the way I've always kind of approached music which is very kind of improvised and I'm typically just trying to be in the moment and get what comes out at that moment um even all my past recorded stuff that was on the folkier side you know you mentioned it's not so much you know singer songwriter verse chorus structure and that's because of the way i make it is very like i'll start with something that sounds cool and i'll just kind of start sprinkling stuff on top and so it kind of builds from the ground up in that way um and that's very similar to how we approach our music with maestro maya is you know we're three dudes who have been jamming together for gosh like seven years eight years now uh, it's been a long time so we're very familiar with the way we work and the way we play off of each other and i say we're improvised but we definitely have songs uh we have recordings it's all online you can listen um but everything we do have online is kind of based around this live thing where we're more or less improvising uh, on the structure, the loose structure we have for each song. So I, I don't even want to say jazz because that makes it sound like we're some technically proficient people at our instruments. We're, you know, a bunch of dudes from Texas uh, riffing and doing, you know, our loud rock and roll. But uh, there is kind of that element of playing off of each other and um, feeling out the transitions as we go. Even songs we've played, you know, a hundred times we'll st it's still going to sound different every time we play it live because we don't necessarily have the proper part to play um so yeah I, I i love that side of it it's very freeing we talked late last year on a podcast about audio production mm -hmm. how do you approach that what is your thinking in terms of operating a studio or being a producer uh, for other folks and when they work with you what do they get what should they expect sure um i love recording music uh both for myself and for others just because i think that it's one of the most powerful things humans have done you know it's up there with all of our tvs and our internets and like it's this crowning achievement to me that we have this opportunity to capture and shape sound in a way and kind of put it in a time capsule and send it into the future and see what happens um, and you can communicate so much with audio so uh, i love working with other people uh, basically what i provide is my skills of i know how to use the software and the tools and i have the microphones and all this and i just like being that facilitator um, for other people to be able to get those ideas down without getting bogged down in all the technical side of it so um leave that part to me and you just have fun is kind of the way I see it whenever I'm working with somebody. Do you think of yourself as more of an engineer or a producer when you're working with other folks? Uh, it's, it's typically skews engineer. Uh, it depends on the project. You know, when I'm working with friends who are a little more comfortable, it, it gets more into producer territory because, you know, I feel more comfortable voicing things I think could change uh for the most part though like unless you want me to be involved I'm kind of act as facilitator type of thing where 
I'm more just engineering it and making sure it comes out as good as it can. So let's talk to that. Who are some of your favorite engineers and producers? That's a great question. I wasn't, I hadn't prepared. Um, but I think, I mean, it, I, I'd hate to say Rick Rubin first because <laughs> it seems like I see him all the time on my feed. Um, seems the obvious choice, but he's got a very interesting philosophy about it all. And I do really respect his approach and his outlook on producing as an art kind of thing and almost being like the Zen master in the studio and just being present and basically approving or disapproving, you know, like he has this weird hands-off approach, but he's still very present in it. So I really like what he does. Um, and as far as producers go, I, there's too many to name. I do like the people who are very auteur like where they're hands on all the pieces and if not doing all the pieces themselves, having very specific approaches. And those are the people that tend to have a sound associated with them, which to me is kind of like the highest tier of producer is when people can hear your song and without even knowing what song it is, they could say, Oh yeah, that's for sure produced by this guy. Um, have you, yeah. Read or are you familiar with Rick Rubin's new book that he released? I don't have a copy yet, but it's definitely on my list. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about it. It's pretty good. I'm not finished. I'm about a hundred pages in. Um, nice. But I will say this. I am in the middle of about half a dozen books <laughs> and that's the one I'm most interested in reading right now. Yeah. Now Rick Rubin is a, an interesting character. For sure. Definitely. And <laughs> I don't think of him as a technical engineer. I think of him as a vibes engineer. Yes. Yeah, that's actually a good point because he, he's like openly said that he doesn't really do anything with the engineering, right? He's just there for, like you said, vibes, basically, which is such an interesting take. So yeah, I guess that was not a good example for engineers. Well, that's okay. <laughs> that's It's perfectly fine. You're yeah. allowed to like who you like. Yeah. I guess one of the people that I would point at just from kind of what you're talking about would be maybe uh, Steve Albini. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um. You know, yeah, I like Steve Albini. Yeah, not super familiar. Andrew Sheps. Who? Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Andrew Sheps. He's another guy. He's He's got some plugins out through Waves and stuff. So he's he's a bit more out there. But um, just listening to some of his interviews and talks with people has given me a lot of inspiration on the engineering side. Uh, he's mostly a mixing engineer. So he's not the one recording it as much as getting the files after the fact and just mixing it. Uh, what would we know from him? That's another great question. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, um, but let's see if a quick, um, I know he's worked with some really big names. I want to say he's worked with like Adele. Um, I do consider Adele's first record to be excellently produced and mixed. I don't know if yes. that's the one, but um, uh, yeah. So he worked with Adele on 21 and he did stadium Arcadium too for red hot chili peppers. That's interesting. Uh, so he's, yeah, he's done some big, he's a like Grammy award winning dude, uh, mostly in the kind of pop space, I guess, but that's okay. I'm not very uh, knowledgeable though, for sure. Yeah. I'm not, uh, at this point, I don't really care where people are coming from. If it sounds good, it sounds good. Right. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, what else should we know or what else have we not talked about that you feel is important to get across? Maybe just to circle back to John Doe, uh, the one part we haven't talked about that I think me and you align on would be the visuals that I did for the album, which I used uh, their AI generated visuals. Very cool. And it's 45 minutes of it. Uh, I believe it's all up on YouTube already uh, on the RL Canyon YouTube page. A um, couple of them that uh, were posted ended up being some of my older animations, but um, they've all purely AI generated. And yeah, if you want to get into that, we can talk that. I don't want to get too technical for people who don't even know, but I'll let you decide how deep you want to go on that. You tell us anything you want. You know, I think that if it is a, if it's an integral component of the project, then yeah, let's go there. Sure. Um, yeah, I guess to back up a little bit further, the, the concept for this album specifically, Lemonoid Drift, is supposed to be the sound of your thoughts while you're being teleported. So the whole 45-minute album is supposed to be in this future universe, like almost like the blink of an eye. But while you're in that blink of an eye, since your body is kind of in that teleportation, it's like this infinite stretch of time, like a weird psychedelic trip of, of sorts where you're through the wormhole kind of thing. Um, so having said that, that's why I really leaned in on the AI visuals for this album, because uh, like the name of the album suggests, Liminoid Drift, it's this liminal space between kind of the real and the ethereal um and the ai art that was coming out of the stable diffusion notebook i was using was just i thought just perfect for both the sound that i had made and also the concept of it so i think it really kind of ties it in with that weird uncanny feeling that i would imagine Obviously, no one knows what it's like to be teleported, but in my imagination, uh, that's got to be a pretty weird feeling. So, uh, yeah, I would say go check it out. Um, I think uh, putting it on a TV and hearing the music with the visuals is a whole different experience than just putting it on Spotify or something, which, by the way, no hate on just the audio because that was how it started anyway. So uh, the visuals and the concept is all bonus sprinkles on top of the birthday cake um as far as i'm concerned but i think it's worth checking out love it so where all can people find the new record um it is out everywhere digitally i say everywhere because it's a distro kid just puts it on all the stuffs um so it's on spotify uh it's on youtube like i said there's visuals to go along with it on the rl canyon youtube page and they also, um, the label made a limited run of tapes. I believe there was only 50 copies made. Um, so if you want to buy a tape, they're only 10 bucks. There's still some available on their Bandcamp. Uh, that is rlcanyonmusic.bandcamp.com if you want to get the tapes. Um, other than that, if you just search John Doe, uh, spelled D-J-O-N-D-O, uh, you'll pull it up. I've got a Twitter, I've got an Instagram and, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, all that good stuff. Very cool. Well, Josh, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on.